Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Horick. You can find the show online at buildingthefutureshow.com or follow me on Twitter at Building Show. You can also find it on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube. Welcome back to Building the Future. Today on the show, we have Charlie Emery. She's a confidant, author, TV personality, and entrepreneur. Charlie, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much, Kevin. It's such a pleasure to be here. Oh, I'm happy you that you uh, agreed to be on the show. You have quite an impressive background and story, and you know I thought it's worth sharing and with my audience and whatnot. So maybe we can start off with a little bit of your background and your biography. Sure. I actually was born in Boston, so I, I hail from the East Coast. <laughs> That's where I did all of my schooling. <laughs> And so even though I'm on the West Coast these days, I am definitely an East Coast girl. There's no doubt about that. I went to school at Clark University, and that's where I went to college. And there's, a, of course, a, you know, a, a whole story. As you know, my life took a different turn because when I was in college, I was assaulted on campus and ended up leaving. So as, as many entrepreneurs have done for many different reasons, <laughs> I also did not happen to finish my formal education, and that just took me on a whole different path, and yet what's so exciting is I ended up exactly where I'm supposed to be and where I envisioned myself when I was just a little girl. Wow. Well, you left for a, a horrible reason when that had to happen to you. It's it's uh it's it certainly is not you know the the greatest thing to go through for sure but again it's one of those things that you know I, I think a lot of times in life we just have to look at the things that we go through and if we look at them from a perspective of how can I use this to make me stronger how can I use this to boost me in my life then you're able to recycle it and let it go so that the the pain and the the negative parts of it, they really just dissipate and you end up with a, a strength and a knowing about yourself that you can really, really tap into and use as you go forward in life. Yeah, turn kind of a negative into a positive. Absolutely. It's the epitome of making lemonade out of lemons. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I'm curious then how you kind of got into being a uh, confidant and kind of TV personality. Yes, well, that, you know, the, the TV part is, uh, that, that was such a wild thing, and I'll talk about that a little bit more, but what happened in terms of the work that I do with people, and you know that I work with them in ver various areas of life, whether it's business, relationships, personal, sometimes people are coming to me because they just feel like they have anxiety or they're, they're feeling out of sorts in life and they don't know what's causing it. And my strength as an intuitive confidant is I really get to the core of things extremely quickly. Um, and that comes out of my background of, you know, I, I actually repressed trauma, those tr the trauma that I went through in college, and then I, I had one other incident after that, shortly after that, and I repressed those for several years. So part of that was that when I went through that healing process, I just did not, I knew when all the memories resurfaced after several years of repressing them and being overweight, that uh, therapy was not going to be the right thing for me. I just knew intuitively the second that everything started to come to the surface, that there was a way for me to 
make sense of this and move forward. You know, when you take seven years of your life, you don't want to take another seven to study it. Sure. You want to go forward. And I felt so freed naturally because I was not living authentically that it wasn't, I knew I couldn't get the time back, but I was genuinely excited about the fact that I was getting back in touch with me. And as a child, I was always looking at people. I mean, I think that by nature, I'm a problem solver. I love to look at things and say, okay, what what created that? I've never looked at it from, you know, the end. And then <clears throat> you, a lot of times people focus on the, the surface symptoms, which is what I see with a lot of traditional coaching and therapy. It's like, okay, well, let's Let's look at these symptoms and see what's going on, and then let's start going backwards from there. And for me, it was never like that. As a child, I would watch adults, and I would think, okay, I think that she wants that, but she just took action A, which is going to get her C, instead of getting her X. And I'm sure she wants X, I can tell. So I was fascinated with what is driving people to do the things they do, and that is a huge part of my work. And so I ended up coming back to that curiosity with myself going through this process because I didn't relate to therapy. And when I called people that were professionals and said, well, can I just come in for two hours and I just want to go through this and this and get some ideas from you, they refused and said, no, you have to do it the traditional therapeutic way. So I said, okay, well, I guess I'm going to have to do it myself. So that is a part, yeah, that is a part of what opened up the door. And the, the funny uh, sort of the bridge in between this is that when I went into that state of repressing trauma, I went completely away from being um, a professional in the realm of like other businesses, and I went and I kind of hid. And then I be I was always working with children when I was younger, so I became a professional nanny, and I worked for this woman who had a company that did strategic consulting for corporations. And after working with her, yeah, and what happened is all my organic skills of working with people came out through her children, and they had some issues, and I helped them with all of them, and they were like, wow. And then, of course, all the memories resurfaced, and she said, you know, I've watched you for years and seen what you did with my children. And because I told her, I said, I I can't be a nanny anymore. It's a wonderful, wonderful job. But I know now what's going on, and I've got to go in this consulting avenue. I'm not sure exactly what it's going to look like, but I know that this is something I I knew I was going to do as a child, and I've got to follow it. I'm ready to follow it. And that's when she said, work for me. I'll bring you in as a consultant. You're going to be with a team of PhDs, and you don't have your degree, but it doesn't matter because I think you're more talented than all of them. You really have the raw skill. So that's what started me in formal consulting, and I went out, and we were working with corporations. I mean, we worked with companies like Mobile Oil. We oh, worked wow. over – yeah, I got to go to Australia and work with um, an elite group of scientists over there, and there was a slight – the, the focus was on maximizing productivity, uh, maximizing your yield, you know, your success yield, uh, women and men in the workplace. Also, we talked about diversity and we addressed how to work in the workplace and stay grounded in the tasks, both, both from a conflict resolution standpoint, 
also from the standpoint of, you know, not getting in trouble with having affairs and things like that. And, and what are some of the things that happen in the workplace that can cause you to go in that direction? So we were touching on those things, and I absolutely loved it. And then she decided to ta- uh, disband the company. So, and we were all freelance consultants. And, of course, for me, because I was the one who wasn't a Ph.D., when I tried to go to other places, even though I had this resume, at that time it was, well, you know, you don't have the degree. So it was kind of funny because, you know, it was like, okay, well, I've already been doing the work, and I have the track record. Oh, but formally we need to have these letters after your name, you know. And right. so I thought, well, then I'll just go in a slightly different direction. And what was funny is I was on an airplane, and I met this woman. I moved to New Mexico, and I met this woman shortly after I moved to New Mexico, and we had spoken in the airport, and it was one of those moments in life where um, I complimented her in the airport, didn't even know she would be on my flight. Next thing you know, she's not only on my flight, she's across the aisle, and we start chit-chatting. And she says, you know, what would you like to do? I said, well, I really want to help people. I, I really like the transformation realm because that's what I just did with myself and I think there's a lot of of, um, you know stuff that can be achieved there and I would love to do it and travel and she said well that's exactly what I do so she introduced me to this organization that was producing consultants and they said that they had this cutting-edge new way of helping people go through transformation so I thought great and the funny part was that when I took part with the company they were, uh, I saw very quickly that the real focus was on making money. A lot of the people who were coming in as potential consultants, they really had their hearts in the right place. But the, the woman who was heading up the organization, I really, you know, as an intuitive, I got connected with her really quickly and realized, whoa, wait a minute, what's going on here is not right. And a lot of the people that she was bringing in as potential consultants, really did not have the skills to be doing what they were doing. And I saw that people were being put in positions that were unsafe. And as somebody who had just gone through what I went through, I was completely against that. Sure, no, that makes a lot of sense. It was a turning point because what I realized in that moment was that because initially when I left and people said, well, we we can't hire you because you don't have this degree – I took that in, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs, we all have to be careful and try to be aware of the things that we take in and sometimes just look and say, if we feel a block, um, look at ourselves and say, hey, you know, was there, what could be causing this? What, what's at the source of this? Because what I realized was that the reason why I ended up there with that woman was because she had three PhDs, and she was telling me, I want you, and, and in a sense, she was giving me permission to go out and do what I could do on my own. And in that moment when I saw what she was putting together and the intention she had, that's when I realized, wait a minute, you don't need anyone to give you permission. And look, you have a real gift and you have a great intention and you just need to go out there and do it. And that was really the beginning of me going out on my own and just beginning to work with people in a number of different ways. Well, and I think that's one thing that's kind of starting to come to light in the media lately is, and obviously it's it's a little bit different than kind of your background and 
there's a lot of entrepreneurs and, you know, people in startups and founders and CEOs, guys that are, you know, extremely successful or working on becoming extremely successful that really, you know, kind of struggle a bit with anxiety or depression or, you know, and they're, there's been some serious cases in the last little while where people have taken their own lives because they don't deal with this stuff. So I think what you're doing and helping people with go through that and, you know, based on that, the fact that you went through it and you're helping people get through it, I think is super important and not enough people are covering it. And that's why I was, I really wanted to have you on the show because, you know, you've went through it, you're helping people do this. And I think it's super important to keep bringing it up again. Right. And that there are, there is people out there that are willing to help you, and, you know, just be there for you, right, when when you need it. And do reach out if you yeah. do need it. Well, I think, you know, there's a couple of problems that we have. <laughs> this is probably where I fit in that niche. First of all, one of the things that I recognized a long time ago, and it drives me crazy today, is that uh, there is this idea that unless you're really depressed or you're really anxious or something's wrong, you know, that's the only time that you go see someone. And... The reality is, you know, you can have everything in line and just say, you know what, I, I feel like there's something blocking me from going to the next level. The, the other side of that is that the self-help realm is such big business. I mean, let's say, you know, it, it, we have people that have set up, and, and I, I, I love the self-help realm. I think there's a lot to be gained from it, but we really have to be careful. And this is something that I noticed back during my healing process. You know, if, even, if, even if you look at the, the things that are set up for entrepreneurs, okay, um, if we really look at it, we have this number of super, super successful people that are just in the business success coaching realm. And they all have these systems that you buy. And the biggest danger in all of these systems is that, you know, people are supposed to follow all these things to a letter. And when you talk about these people creating success and having anxiety and depression and things like that, it's because there are major aspects of their lives that are completely exclusive of these systems. But if we really, really look at uh, a larger realm of people who are successful, who are not the ones that are that are necessarily out there teaching people how to do it, but they just are, you will notice that they are not following these real heavy-duty structured systems. Their lives are more dynamic. And more than anything, I think the problems that people run into is that they don't create a life-work balance. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, I mentioned to you that I'm living part-time in Europe and spending time in Europe because my life partner is European. Right. And uh, there are there's so much to be learned when you go back and forth between a couple of different cultures. And sure. you know there are people in Europe, they're like just as excited about becoming successful, but the way that the life is lived is more dynamic and it's more of a balance and it's not about 50-50, but it's about having it's about valuing your experience. And if your life becomes about chasing the, the dollar or trying to make more, trying to get to this level, or, well, I got to reach this goal, if everything or the majority of your energy and your focus is there, there are, there's so much that you're missing out on. And it's so important because then what happens is money's a magnifier. So then you create the success 
And now those things that you're lacking, the, the feeling of that lack is magnified by the success that you have because you cannot buy it. No, you're, you're totally right. I, and it's interesting because I'm, well, my daughter's almost a year old and my wife and I have been married for three years and I've even been struggling lately a little bit with working full time, doing this radio show. I, I write for a tech blog out of LA, just trying to balance it all and, you know, make family time and work time and it, it's tricky. So, you know, I don't know. I'm still learning for that from that. So if you have any tips on kind of for that for me or our listeners, I, I think that would be maybe really helpful and useful. Absolutely. I mean, first of all, one of the things is that, you know, <laughs> we we are really driven. In the U.S., we are very driven by systems. And, you know, if you really take a step back, you see how much marketing there is in literally every aspect of our lives. Sure. And even on, even on the female side, you know, as a woman, when I look – I cringe. I honestly cringe at a lot of what's going on because uh, this is a time when women are supposed to be empowered beyond belief, but I work with these women personally. Some of them are incredibly successful. Some of them are stay-at-home moms, and they're really successful in their homes, and the amount of disempowerment that they are actually feeling is so sad. And so as business people, we have to look at what is the pressure in the media? You know, it's always telling us, if you're going to be successful, then you get up at this hour and you work this many hours and you have this many things. And, and if you really look, they're always selling us a slightly different picture that we're supposed to adhere to. And if we, if we mimic that, if we emulate all those things that they lay out, then we're, we're rising to our potential and we're really doing what we need to do. And in truth, it's baloney. <laughs> no, we I really totally have to agree. realize that it's baloney. And so we have to look and say, okay, that's marketing out there. But the reality is this is my life. And it, yes, it's great to have goals. I have lots of goals. I have so many things that I am excited about achieving. My partner and I were like, okay, we want to do this. We want to do that. But you know what? We have today. And we don't even have a guarantee of tomorrow, but we have today. And so to the best of your ability, as you look at the things that you're doing and you look at your family, everything needs to be factored in. And you have to be careful that your identity and your role in life does not get swallowed up by a business goal or a title or business responsibilities. Because in truth, you have a role as a husband and you have a role as a man and you have a role as a father and you have a role as a business person and a friend. And so you want to look at all of those and make sure that your business and all of those goals fall under the umbrella of Kevin. Don't make Kevin fall under the umbrella of business. No, that, that's, that's really good advice. really tough. Yeah, it's... That's the thing that it's it's tr- tricky because I've been using my calendar and I schedule even family time in and my, my daughter usually goes to bed about an hour, hour and a half after I get home and I just try to, you know, put my phone down and just kind of check out from the internet for, you know, an hour, an hour and a half and then, you know, usually hang out with my wife for a little bit before she goes back to bed. Um, well, not goes back to bed, goes to bed. And then I basically go back on the computer and start doing other things, you know, just working or you know, my other little projects that are got on the go. Right, right. And you know what, you bring up a great point, Kevin, because I mean, I went through this too. And a lot and you know, anybody who knows me, 
knows that I so much of what I share comes from personal experience too. So that's a little bit, uh, I'm sure that that's one of the biggest differences with my coaching is that um, when I go in and work with people, I'm coming from a place of experience, but I also work with people individually. I, I'm, I really shy away from these systems because I don't, we're all individuals, and so we have to be able to pick and choose. And so I think that with all the wonderful advice that's out there, one of the things that we all need to do is pick and choose and individualize things. We're the power because our power of choice and knowing who we are and figuring it out along the way, that's what really, really helps us be successful and enjoy a lifestyle. And, you know, I always think about, um, you, you know, you have a goal of perhaps the lifestyle that you want to live, but you have to remember that life is dynamic and if you forget about enjoying a lifestyle, then it sort of it gets squeezed out, and it has to be one of the priorities as you're doing everything else. It should be about enjoying where you are now and enjoying aspects that you, you know, things that you're doing today, even as you're looking at that bigger goal or that vision or whatever it is that you might have in your office. And as entrepreneurs, probably the one of the most important things that we need to do is set boundaries sure. with ourselves. No, I think that's because, really good advice. Oh, you work at home and guess what? You're working all the time. I work out of the house and, and of course because so much of what I do I can do on my computer and then we're back and forth between here and Europe and we have times where we're like, that's it. <laughs> and, and it also means not going back late at night because the society that we're in today the technology, the biggest downside of what technology has done is it has made us so prone to going in the computer, going in the phone. We don't rest enough. Yeah, you're right. You're totally right. And our greatest ideas come from those moments that just all of a sudden something comes in. And when you're tired and you're overstimulated, even though you may think, oh, no, I'm fine. I had my two cups of coffee this morning. When you're in that, you know, overly charged, stimulated place, you might think it's the right thing because all the rah-rah people out there are going, yeah, that's the way you need to be. But the reality is there's a part of you you cannot access, and it's, it's the most dynamic, creative, brilliant part of yourself. And you can't access the whole thing when you're tired and you're overstimulated. So you've got to shut stuff off and say, that's it. It's time for me to just be. Yeah, no, I think that's really good advice. What I've adapted lately, well, maybe the last year or so, is I take Saturday completely off, and I try to even don't really check email. I don't really check my phone that much. Um, just because I find I'm almost like brain dead on Saturday. And I've tried doing work, and I look back at it on Sunday, and I'm like, what was I even thinking? And so I just for, I'm like, forget it. I'm not going on the computer. You know, I'm not really replying back to email and whatnot because – a lot of times, you know, you have to send some something back that's intelligent and thought out. And sometimes I just look back like, what did I say? Or what was I even thinking on Saturday? So I usually try to take at least one week weekday off or sorry, weekend day off. And, you know, maybe even a couple nights in the during the week just to kind of check out a little bit. Because like you mentioned, I'm on the computer and yourself is like we're on the computer. Basically, my whole job is on a laptop, right? I plug it into a monitor and a keyboard, and I can do whatever I want, right? Whenever I want, from anywhere I want, as long as I have an internet connection. So I think checking out for a while is is super important, and trying to balance, you know, a personal life and a business life, and 
<laughs> I'm learning. <laughs> it's so, you know, it's so valuable. And I think it's, it's, it's really doable. I think to a certain extent, there is so much put on us. And it's part of the culture of, of our country is this, you know, this busy run, run, run. Mm-hmm. And, but there's all this other stuff that's associated with it. You know, you're the, you're the responsible guy. You're the successful guy. You're the guy on the rise if you're doing, or the woman, you know, if you're, if you're doing all of these things. And it's, it's baloney. To be perfectly honest, it is baloney. It's, it's a part, it, it gets you to engage in the world in a certain kind of way and keep things running, um, but it's not about your health and your success. And I think the, the funny part is, is like I juggle, you know, I juggle a lot of different things. I have my consultant yep. business. I'm an author and uh, have stuff that's going on in TV that's percolating. And the reality is that I take, I take naps. sometimes I take a nap sometimes I take a day it doesn't matter if it's a Monday or a Thursday or a Friday if I feel like I need to do to just tune out unless there's something that I have scheduled that you know I'm really committed to and I have to get it done of course I'll always fulfill my commitment sure but if I just have if I have a to-do list in front of me and I feel like wow I'm kind of tired I'm a little burnt I push it I push it because I realized, you know, it's so funny, as entrepreneurs, one of the reasons why we were drawn to doing things is so we could have the freedom. But so often, we become the worst virtual boss that we could have ever had working <laughs> for somebody else. So we need to look at that, too, and say, okay, wait a minute. Am I just, am, is, it, is it because it's a Wednesday and it's 1 o'clock in the afternoon, am I just making myself go at this, or can I just take a break? Sure. Can I just push the rest of the day? Because a lot of times what I noticed, and I, I mean, I, it was actually through writing books that really showed this to me, is I would set out this time and I would say, okay, I'm going to write. And I really wasn't in the mood to write or my, I was just tired and, and I would think, okay, well, and I would force myself. And then uh, I would struggle, struggle, and I would have all this stuff. And then the next day I'd pick it up and all of a sudden I was in the mood and I would end up throwing out almost everything that I wrote, and then I would have something fantastic that I finished in about a fifth of the time. Yeah, and then so, was the, that day when you force yourself you, is basically just wasted time. I feel the same way when I'm doing like design work. Just if I know, like I wake up in the morning and I know if I can do design today or not. And if I if my body says no, I. I can move the mouse around and it's going to be terrible and it's going to get redone. So it sounds like it's the same for you when you're writing. Like you just know. Yes, yes. And and sometimes it's also, you know, we just uh, published a, a new book on Hermes. It's a gorgeous coffee table book. We're so proud of it. And, of course, we're getting stuff together to do a proper launch and all of that. But you know what? Sometimes we, with the night before, we say, okay, this is what we're going to do tomorrow morning, blah, blah, blah. We wake up in the morning, and we're just not there. And I think that sometimes as entrepreneurs, we – and now, and I understand sometimes people are out there, and they're working a full-time job, and then they're doing something on the side, and I get it because I've been in that position too. But my point is that you know, part of what really helps keep you in a place where you're excited and also connected to the other people that are important in your life is getting the most enjoyment you can from just the whole, um, just the, the overall process of what you're doing. 
you know, being excited about what you're doing instead of just beating yourself up with results. And I'm very much a result person. I mean, everything to me, in a sense, is about, okay, there's got to be a good result, like we've got to get some results. But at the same time, I've learned that part of those results also has to do with your health and your enjoyment. Sure. And if you can't enjoy your life and you're just becoming like a taskmaster, you actually don't get as much done, but you also risk losing some of those other aspects of your life like your relationship life and things like that, that are the things that really help support you and that you will enjoy and want to be able to enjoy even as your success is growing. Oh, for sure. No, I I think that's awesome. So you mentioned you just published a book. So do you want to maybe talk more about the process of that and, you know, around your um, luxury investment company? Sure, absolutely. Opus Rex is our U.S. company, and then we have Eight Leafs, which is based out of Holland, and we specialize in investment pieces for people. So rather than just the, your typical accessory, like for instance, in handbags, uh, my partner is the foremost international expert on vintage Hermes handbags. And the, there are so many counterfeit bags out there, it's unbelievable, and with his knowledge, it's incredible, and that's what our book is about. It's on the evolution of the Birkin, Constance, and Kelly handbags, which are the three most coveted models that Hermes makes. But as an example, uh, those particular handbags are one of the reasons why we do work with those in the vintage market. We, we know which ones are worth the most money, of course. Right. And we have a lot of clients who buy them not only to use them, some are only buying them to put them away for several years so that at some point they can take them back out. You know, those are handcrafted. Each handbag is made by hand. And there are, especially, even though today it still is a, a huge, huge market for Hermes, the reality is the best-made bags are the vintage bags because a lot of things have still been automated, and, of course, the craftsmen are dying away. Right. You know, there was a time when, when the son did what the father did, and that's not the case anymore. And I think we're seeing this in a lot of different markets from, uh, you know, plumbing and electricians right down to furniture makers that people say, oh, no, I don't want to do that. So that's one of the areas that we specialize in, and we also do, you know, we have we, um, – uh, source gemstones and watches, and we have collectible pieces for the home that are, they're really investment pieces as well, or just very, very distinct conversation pieces that people can put in a home or an office. And that that's really who our clientele is. So that's what we do through Opus Rex. And the book Vintage uh, Hermes 1837 to 2000 is a gorgeous coffee table book on the evolution of those three most coveted handbags. Okay, and what's the URLs for those? I'll also post those in the show notes, but just for the listeners. Absolutely. The book can be, you can look and purchase the book at www.vintage-hermes.com. And that, of course, is H-E-R-M-E-S, so vintage-hermes.com. And uh, it's a, I mean, it's, you know, it's, the book is almost 400 pages. It's gorgeous images of, of a lot of bags that people have never seen. But for the collector 
or the connoisseur of the brand, they'll flip because there's so much fantastic information in there that will actually help people authenticate. But we've already done a, a pre-sell of the first batch of books, and it was so funny. I mean, we've got architects and people who have nothing to do with Hermes that just love the detail in the book and all of the images. So it's it's we're really, really excited about it. It's a masterpiece. No, that's awesome. So how long did it take you to do all the research and put the book together? Well, I have to say, on this one, uh, I it, all the kudos go to my partner, Arnold Last. He did a phenomenal job. He is he is the expert. He did. <laughs> it took him several years, and and really, what happened is he's such a detail-oriented guy. And in Europe, he had this business where he was serving, you know, an elite clientele that had things that they wanted to either trade in or sell, and there really wasn't any place for them to do that for the really high-end items. And you know, they don't want to go to eBay and things like that. These are when they're dealing with you know. $20,000 watches and right on up to $100,000, like where are you going to go? Sure. There's only pawn shops or in a consignment, a typical consignment shop can't deal with an item that's that higher price range. So that was what he did with 8 Leafs was to start that service for people. And what happened was organically the uh, percentage of the business was almost taken over by the Hermes handbag market, the vintage market. And he just, for his own knowing, wanted to make sure that he never accidentally took in a counterfeit because he started realizing how many there were. And, you know, over the last several years, I mean, he's just had hundreds of thousands of bags be presented to him, some of which came from collectors with extensive collections. And every so often he would have to reveal, well, guess what? You've got a counterfeit in there. So. It started out as a personal manual for him, and then the more he realized that even at the Hermes boutiques, they don't know anything about, they they know very little about their own vintage bags. They're salespeople, Mm. and they know, you know, they have to know things about everything they have in the store today, but this history was sort of lost. So he got excited about taking those personal notes and turning it into a beautiful coffee table book, and that's what we did. So I was the copy editor on that project and helped him with the last little design finishes, but pretty much I got to give him the credit because he wrote it and he designed it, and I just helped him do the polishing and the copy editing and and the publishing. Oh, that's awesome. So how did you guys find a publisher, or did you self-publish? We self-published because, uh, you know, (laughs) the book is a very high-end book, and when you see what they want, we, we did speak with uh, Tashin, who was very interested in the book, but they wanted m- much too much. <laughs> ah, fair enough. Okay, we I said, you, you know what, there's too much work in here, and uh, no, we're, we're just not willing to give away that much and take these little uh, pennies on the dollar for all that work. So, you know, this day and age, again, it's the perfect time. We're entrepreneurs, and there's a lot we can do on our own. So it's it's exciting to take that on. No, that's awesome. And we're running out of time on the show. Do you have any advice for aspiring entrepreneurs, kind of anything to do or not do? You know what? I, I do. I think that um, on, on the not side, just try not to get too bogged down in systems and all that uh, generic, like, rah-rah business advice. Some of it is great, but pick and choose. Don't get too sucked into it because before you know it, you're so busy following all this stuff that's supposed to make you successful, and it's more busy work than anything else, and you're buying this and buying that, 
And, you know, you, you want to get in touch with your instincts. So, and you need structure with fluidity anyway. So just try to use your own instincts and pick and choose as you're out there looking at the information that's there and see what speaks to you, you know. Sure. Uh, on, the, on the do side, um, I would say set your boundaries. Make sure you're not overworking, you're not overcommitting. Put things in perspective and check in every so often because life is moving so fast these days that we have to be more dynamic. And I think that in our our old way of doing business and being taught, many of I mean, I'm in my 40s, so many of us that came up during that time, we had a, a certain way promoted to us that really doesn't exist anymore. So sometimes we go back into that uh, where we're trying to do things a certain way by default, but we have to be more dynamic today and look and say, okay, wait a minute, what fits? And sometimes from day to day, you're going to be making little changes. And you have to remember, you know, our greatest success always comes from the corrections we make. So instead of focusing on what's everything that I can do right as if it's static, I think what really empowers us is to humble ourselves and know that nothing is static. It's all dynamic. And the more that we can take things on board and at the same time be aware of how things are evolving within our own lives and our business, we will be in a stronger position to adapt and adjust and make little shifts. And um, the other thing I would say is, is be curious, you know. Be curious because the more curious you are about yourself, about why you're feeling certain ways, you take a little time out, you know. If you're feeling some anxiety, be curious. Ask yourself. Anxiety comes from a fear of the new or the unknown. So if you feel anxiety, then sit back for a minute and say, okay, what am, what am I stressing about? What might I be worried about? You know, if you're curious about your own feelings, there is so much that you can do. And with all the clients I have, you know, I, I have clients that check in with me, but, I, you know, I don't do 10 coaching sessions in packages because most people don't need it. And that's my job is to teach them not only how to remove the mystery and get to the core of what's going on so they can clear it, but I want to give them the tools to, to the best of their ability, be able to do a lot of that stress sourcing themselves. And then if they need a little something or they just want to get my thoughts, great, call me and we'll go over it and we'll go through it. But um, we have so much inside of ourselves. And if we take a moment, take more moments, unplug a little bit and be curious, you will be surprised at how much wisdom will come from your own instincts that when you're too busy and too focused, you just are shut off from. So, no, that that's really good advice. But I'm I'm curious. You mentioned take time for yourself. Do you mean like meditation, or or what do you mean by that exactly? You know, taking time for yourself is so individual. Okay. I cannot meditate to save my life. Okay, <laughs> you know, all right. People talk about it. I think that it's unplugging. You know, taking time for yourself. You might, for you, it might be that, you know, you just sit back in a chair in the backyard and stare up at the sky and, and, and have a glass of wine or something. Or maybe it is, um, you know, going on a bike ride. Or maybe it is just hanging out around the kitchen table or having some friends or going out to dinner. I mean, there's a lot of ways to take time for yourself. I like to journal. That's one of the things that I like to do. Uh, I also, I love TV. So really, for me, sometimes taking time, I know it, it might seem like it's clashing with the unplugging, but it's specific things that I'm watching. I won't watch anything that is educating me. 
no, I will watch something that's entertaining me so that I can just sort of relax. And, you know, you know what you like to do. I mean, last week, you know, uh, um, my beau and I, we went bowling. I, I hadn't been bowling in years. And he was like, let's go bowling. And we had so much fun doing things like that to just shake it up. But you're not on the phone and you're not on the computer and you're not cramming stuff into your brain. You're just letting it relax and just you're just being alive. And you know what? After doing things like that, you wouldn't believe all the ideas that come to you because you freed up some space and you allowed stuff some time to be able to come to you because it's not buried in all of these tasks that you're in the middle of doing. No, I think that's really good advice because you start Googling this stuff online and, you know, I've tried meditation before and sometimes it totally helps and other times I've fallen asleep because I'm just so tired, right? And I think sometimes people give you all these like textbook advice and I think it's interesting that you, that you, you talk about more, just kind of do something for yourself. It's almost like find your happy place. It kind of sounds maybe cheesy, but it's different for everybody, right? And I think that's the key well, yeah. to a lot of this stuff. No, you're right. And, you know, this year, I remember at the beginning of the year, and I've actually seen it throughout the year, uh, there have been a lot of magazine covers and uh, on the wellness magazines and things like that I'll see in the store, and they're all talking about this pursuit of happiness. Well, that's because, you know, our, uh, our financial success is great, and that comes from a lot of the stuff that we do out there in the work world. But our happiness comes from a lifestyle. It's, it's not about private jets or things like that. I know people with private jets who are not happy people who are trying to figure out how to have a truly happy lifestyle. Li- having a lifestyle is mixed. It's about more elements in your life than just your business success. And it's very lonely when you create all this success and you have no one to share it with. And I don't just mean a romantic relationship. I'm just talking about people in your life and friends and, you know, relationships that you enjoy. And and just being able to be with yourself, it is so valuable to be able to be with yourself. So, you know, those are the things that we need to look at. And every day, you know, there's something. I mean, there have been times when I just didn't feel that well. And I would just say, I am so thankful right now that, I'm not stuck in an office and I can just go take a nap. You know, no, it's, a, sure. it's a simple thing. But again, it's me being in the present going, this is great. But when I work with people, I look at them as just like you have your individual DNA, you know, your physical DNA and your own fingerprint. Well, we all have our own spiritual DNA, our own emotional DNA. And that's why it's so important. So much of what is thrown at us is so systematic. And the reality is it's not accurate. There's great stuff in it, but you have to pick and choose and and let your own instincts come to the surface and trust yourself to say what speaks to me. Oh, well, if meditation doesn't work and if you fell asleep, you know, that's great. You needed to sleep. <laughs> but it's really, it's, it's about taking off these specific definitions of this is what this is and finding your definition. Give yourself the freedom to define things for yourself, including your success, including what happiness is. Be curious and define it for yourself. And if you define it for yourself, instead of looking at all the images on TV, most of which are illusions, you will be in 
such an incredibly powerful position to create the life that you want to live, and you'll enjoy every step, even when you're like, oh, I can't wait to get there. (laughs) You'll still say, but you know what? This part of right now is super cool. Yeah, no, that that's really good advice. And I, I know I stopped reading all those, like, top 10 things every billionaire does in the morning. And it's like, I, I don't really care. I'm not even a morning person. <laughs> like, for me, it's get as much sleep as possible. If I can check that box, I'm happy, you know, or if yeah, I can sleep well, in a little, right? <laughs> the thing that I remember the most, and, and uh, I think this is a great story for anybody out there, okay, that's building a business, because this is the best thing. A couple of years ago on the Today Show in the morning, they had this panel, and it was because of the recession, and they were talking about how there's more entrepreneurs out in the world because of the recession and blah, blah, blah. So they had this panel of like four people, and um, one of the people on the panel was the woman who started the company Spanx, who is a billionaire today. So they were going through this whole thing about what every entrepreneur needs to do to be successful. And she just kept her mouth shut, and she let these other guys dominate the whole thing, and they were talking about, you know, blah, 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 and you got to have this, and this is how you do your business plan. And then they got to her, and they said, well, what do you think? And she started laughing, and she said, if I, if I believed um, or felt like I needed to do any of what I just heard here, I would never have my business today because it would have overwhelmed me so much I would have thought that it was impossible. She said, I just thought that I had an idea for something that a lot of people would like, and I just kind of started from scratch, and my husband helped me, and we built the prototype, and we just went out there with it. And she was probably the most successful one on the panel. Yeah, it's always... No, go ahead, sorry. I'm just saying there's a lot of wisdom in that. Like, be careful not to listen to all this other stuff because so many people have built their lives on all that stuff, and that's how they're successful. But the ones that are really out there in business, there's a there's an infinite number of ways they've done it. Yeah, no, totally. And, it, like, I remember reading, I think it's Mark Cuban or, or some other, like, billionaire guy, in, like, a blog post, and a lot of them started their businesses with a few hundred dollars. It's not tens of thousands. It's nothing, right? And you always hear people say, oh, unless you have, you know, X amount or, you know, millions of dollars to launch this thing, don't you can never start. And it's like, well, that's not true. No, it's not true. And so we have to get excited. We have to, you know, especially, you know, in the U.S., think of the pioneer spirit that people had when they built this country. They started with dirt. They figured out how to create things, how to trade things, how to barter things, how to sell things. And we need to do the same thing, and we need to have fun. But when we're in that, the other thing that happens is when you get too much in a lot of these systems that everybody's touting, um, you get so focused on, you know, how you're going to get somebody else to do this that you lose the most basic instinct, which is, okay, what have I got? Who wants it? Why would they want it? How do I make sure that they see that this is what they want? You know, it's like if you have a product or you have a service. And uh, it's just, it's a lot of stuff that you don't need. And that, that's the stuff that creates an awful lot of stress and exhaustion. So cut through it, see what, what you want to keep and what you want to let go of, and make sure you do that regularly. Because we have so much stuff pumped at us through radio, TV, this, that, imagery, magazines, that we don't even realize how much we're taking in. 
Sure. So we got to check in with ourselves and make sure we're not taking stuff on board that is not ours, that we do not want and do not need. No, I, I think that's that's really good advice. And it's sad, but I, we're out of time. So I think let's just maybe promote where people can find you online. Absolutely. You can find me at charlieemery.com, and that's C-H-A-R-L-Y-E-M-E-R-Y.com. I actually just launched a new website, and I'm getting ready to do a new video series, and I would love for people to send me their questions. So if you have a question out there on something specific, I don't care if it's relationship-based or it's business-based, go ahead and shoot me the question, and I'll answer it in a video because I'm getting ready to uh, record a brand-new video series, and there will be videos online on a, in a variety of different ways, but all around this same thing, balancing business and lifestyle and really getting more out of your life. And then, of course, uh, vintage-hermes.com is where you can find our latest book. But on my Charlie Emery website, you'll also see an Opus Rex link, and that you, from there you can also get to the, uh, the website on the book. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks very much for taking the time and being on the show. I'm, this was really g- great. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for having me, Kevin. And for everybody out there, thanks for listening. And just remember, you know, if you need something, you can always get in touch with me. I work quickly. I'm about results for you. And it's really, it's about living the life you, you love, not studying the one you don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's, a, that's a great way to put it. I never thought of it like that, but that's awesome. All right, Charlie. Well, uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks for being on the show. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you, Kevin, and everybody out there. Have a fabulous day and best wishes. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can visit past shows at buildingthefutureshow.com. If you're going to the Startup Expo on February 16th and 17th in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and want to record an episode, please contact me. The music for the show is by Electric Mantra. Check him out at electricmantra.com. Until next time, keep building the future.